Hello and welcome to the Red Card District Podcast. I'm joined by Elliot. You can follow him on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. You can listen to him on the Arsenal Vision Podcast as he hosts that. And uh, check him out on Twitter if you want to hate on him or give him shit for his views. Hello, Elliot. Welcome to welcome on. Yeah, thanks, Joaquin. I, I cannot recommend strongly enough giving me shit for my terrible opinions on Twitter. And, of course, listening to the podcast. Yep. Favorite pastime. I think you're turning heel a little bit. It's great. You're, gonna, you're the new... Uh, Skip it's famous. not intended. It's just a testament to the caliber of opinions that I, I feel like naturally, organically develop on my on my Twitter feed. Sweet, sweet. Well, we've had a lot of fun World Cup action all over the past couple of weeks. Uh, we last came to you after the group stages. Um, but these knockout rounds have been pretty crazy. We've had a lot of overtimes. We've had penalty kicks. We've had shithousery and fucked up fouls. And a lot of our, our favorite uh, villains and heroes going out of the World Cup. What, have, what were some of the standout matches for you so far through the knockout stages? Any particular ones that stood out to you, Elliot? I mean, it's hard to get past France-Argentina, right? Like, that was wow. the <laughs> I showpiece match of the tournament, other than maybe Spain-Portugal. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed Brazil-Belgium because it was sort of the <laughs> very resistible... Uh, or irresistible force against the very movable object, and yet somehow Brazil was not able to get it done. Uh, the late drama of Belgium to Japan was great. So uh, you asked me for one, and I've given you three, but I, I would say that Argentina-France uh, is the obvious one, and just sort of watching Kylian Mbappe, who didn't really need to announce himself on this world stage, but do it anyway, uh, was really exciting. And as someone who worships Thierry Henry, seeing the echoes of Thierry Henry in, in Kylian Mbappe was really something special. Yeah, absolutely. He was he was lightning, and it was you know I, like you said to the to the uh, to the uninitiated, you know, he it might have been something new for them. For for those of us who watch these guys week in week out, that's what we expected. But that's kind of what you expect from a guy who, you know, has that talent and is a guy who we all think is going to take it to that level, you know, very soon. Um, you know, to make an announcement and a statement on the stage was was amazing, and particularly with that match with Argentina France. I mean, that was what the first knockout match out of them all, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, the very first ones. So that, that kicked it <laughs> off, you know, in that sense of, like, it was the second day of the World Cup, that Spain-Portugal match really felt like it kicked off the tournament, you know, the first marquee match that really gave us, you know, the battle between the stars and all that. You know, this was a great way to begin the elimination round, and it probably was the, be the best match. You know, how you give seven fucking goals between Argentina and uh, <clears throat> and, and they were just, it was amazing to see. You know, all yeah, it, it was special. I, you know, I think it's tough too because I, I like Messi. I can't explain why I like Messi because I hate Barcelona, and I mean, it's not like he's a saint or anything, but I am definitely a Messi stan, and so I wanted to see him go deeper in the tournament, but probably not at the expense of France. So overall, uh, it's for the best. I think it is unfortunate that Deschamps hasn't been able to get France to play like that in other games and throughout the tournament. I think it's tough, right? Because the unlike club football, where the goal is definitely to succeed and win trophies and things like that, but also to provide entertainment and beauty and poetry. Uh, tournament football, cup football, is about winning and progressing, you know, survive and advance, as you might say in the uh, NCAA tournament. So it, it's easy to criticize Deschamps because he's taken this collection of attacking talent and made them play pretty dour defensive football and uninspiring football, except for that Argentina match, um, but at the same time, they are in the semifinal, and 
have a good shot to go through the final against a team that they will be a strong favorite against. So while I, I want to be critical of Deschamps, in the case of the World Cup, I think if you lift the World Cup playing dour defensive football, even with a lot of attacking talent, they're never going to take that World Cup away from you. It's sort of similar to how Greece won the Euros. The difference being, of course, Greece would have killed for even one attacking player like France have five or six of. So, sure. you know, it, it's frustrating to watch Deschamps set them up that way. I mean, obviously, I am not a Giroud guy. I would love to see Ousmane Dembele play instead of him. But, I mean, maybe that doesn't work as well for Griezmann. So who knows? I, I guess at the end of the day, the Belgium match is something I'm really looking forward to because you have a team in Belgium that will attack France and leave themselves uh, vulnerable at the back. And it, it should mean that whether France like it or not, they wind up playing a pretty open game. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I, I certainly feel, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about it for a while in terms of the, the strength in one side of the bracket versus the other. I think it's pretty fair to say that whichever team wins that match will be the favorite going into the final, whether it be Belgium yep. or France. Uh, I I do want to see France succeed. It's just kind of funny because I almost I kind of wanted them to get knocked out because I just want to see Arson take the job. And I <laughs> I, I just like Deschamps. I've never particularly liked him or the, the style of football any of his teams have played, whether Juve or elsewhere. Are there uh, any good managers left in the World Cup? I mean, that's the irony. The final four <laughs> managers, I mean, you have... Southgate, you have Roberto Martinez, you have Didier Deschamps. I mean, these are not highly regarded managers who have, at least in their most recent stint at club football, failed pretty spectacularly. And yet, here they are. I just don't think there's a lot of great managerial talent or coaching talent uh, at the national level. I think that the kind of coaching that's required at the national level is obviously vastly inferior to what's required at club level. And ultimately, the players do a lot more than the manager. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a whole different dynamic, and I don't know. It seems for me like the perfect job for Arsene now that he's not uh, currently involved in, in club football, and I can get behind that team It would be more. such a poison chalice, though, if well, you know, France did go on to win a World Cup playing sure. terrible defensive football because then Arsene would come in, and no matter how beautifully France played, the expectation would be, and understandably, win another major international tournament, and anything else would yeah. be a disappointment because they would have just won the World Cup. So while I did want Arsene Wenger to go in and—, and coach this France team with so much young dynamic attacking talent that I think is suited to him coming off if they were to win the World Cup then I I wouldn't want to see him go there because inevitably yeah. it would be impossible to live up to that achievement certainly and that's kind of why I'm picking uh, France to lose to Belgium in the semifinal <laughs> works for me um but yeah they um yeah going into that way that's that's certainly the a tough situation for him I remember them talking about potentially you know with Real Madrid needing a new manager before the before the recent appointment it's like you know how could you who steps into a team after having won three consecutive champions leagues like what a terrible what a bit what a terrible act to follow yeah um but uh but back to the tournament you know france have impressed uh i like to your point about the you know it really seems the fact that griezmann feels so comfortable playing off Giroud and they have a decent understanding and they you know they they do use Giroud's strengths a bit you know it, it's great seeing the Mbappe runs and stuff like that which are you know opposed to his sort of style but you know the center forward work I think last match he really did a lot of that good hold up play you know when he was performing best for Arsenal he was doing that for us as well I know it wasn't you know the exact same dynamic we want out of our general center forward but he, he's done a lot for them um I uh in in the last match I was really hoping I was really bummed that um Cavani couldn't play in the match against them yeah, and because there's one of those yeah. things that like Uruguay definitely had a puncher's chance of winning that match, but you know the Uruguay team did not have; they never have had enough depth to get past if they lost a star or two. You know that team 
it really has intrinsically that starting 11 has only changed just a little bit what four or five pieces have changed since the 2010 world cup you know like you still you know the first sub coming on is Savoya rodriguez and you're like that guy was playing back in 2010 and the same guys in godin and you know there's a, a few little bits and pieces there um I actually thought well you know, I, I think the problem you have with them is when you're a team that's not going to possess the ball and they really have had so little possession throughout the tournament yeah. and you're going to rely on your superstar strikers in Suarez and Cavani getting a couple of chances and converting those couple of chances you take even one of them away and with very little possession and very little uh creative attacking threat I mean they don't have players that can lay on the chances, possess the ball, uh, build up the play, especially against better teams. And you look at Torreira, who was like their leading passer, I think, in that game, and he completed something like 24 passes or something, or 30 passes, and that was their leading passer in the whole game. (laughs) So when you're not going to have a lot of possession and you're only going to have a couple of chances, you can't have them falling to Stuani. You know, you you need someone whose movement... I mean, Cavani, what makes him so special, as much as he gets made fun of, and, and I think wrongly so for his finishing which is certainly perfectly fine yeah what makes him special is his movement and he he gets into a lot of good scoring positions and you miss that when you're not going to possess the ball very much in uruguay just they were so blunt and and without the ball there was very little they could do yeah it was definitely on display in that first goal that cavani scored um from that cross from from suarez you know their understanding between them having played together for so long but yeah that you know makes that pass cross field Times his run. As soon as he starts moving, you know, Suarez sees it. And then that that wasn't just a cross. Like, he basically fired a shot at the back post knowing that Cavani would be there. But it was absolutely an intended cross. But, I mean, whipped that thing in, you know, much uh, with a lot of precision. And um, I have I, to say I'm glad they're out, though. I, I yeah. just I, – I have to tell you, like, the, the – the cynical shithousery of of Colombia and and Uruguay and I just like I it's not that I like it being a, a all European Final Four it's just that I like it being an all football playing Final Four and sure. for the most part that's what we have and I think Uruguay against Belgium for example they would have sat deep they would have soaked it up they would have fouled they would have rolled on the ground they would have tried to just kick it long to, to Suarez and. Cavani and I mean it could have been an interesting game but I I just I want to see more football and I think what's been nice about this World Cup is it's been relatively cynicism free uh with a couple of exceptions and Colombia and Uruguay are are two of the notable exceptions so I'm perfectly fine for them to be out yeah I didn't feel I didn't feel it's too bad from Colombia or from um from Uruguay this tournament you know there was there was a little bit of the normal stuff from them but definitely by comparison it it paled in comparison to what Colombia was doing like that match against yeah that's that's true was just was just absurd. And I mean, really, the I, ha- I have no problem with France going through. I think, you know, the better team went through. It's just the shitty fact that like Muslera with the fucking howler letting that ball through, you know, really, really killed that game. And you're just like, fuck, man. Yeah. Like we, we had it was still such a good game, you know, with so many chances. And at a one goal, you know, it just it just took it really took the sting out of the game. And then between that and not having a striker, it really took away from the spectacle a bit. Um, I think. Uh, but, you know, like, I'm happy with teams that, that are here. I mean, I now think the weakest team left in the pool is England. Um, but we'll see. I, what, what did you think of – well, first, let, let's go – did you think – who do you think is the favorite in this in this match? I mean, aside from the betting odds, in, in terms of um, what we've seen from Croatia and what we've seen from England, do you think it's a pretty evenly matched uh, encounter? So there's two ways I, I can look at this. One way is England's midfield is – terrible like terrible 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 you have jordan henderson and two forwards dropping in in lingard and deli alley and i don't think either of them are particularly good as midfielders and i don't think jordan henderson is particularly good so 
you know, you look at Rakitic and Modric and you think they should just dominate them in midfield and England should have no answer for that. Yeah. The problem is that I actually think England, having now sort of slugged their way through weaker teams, may be better suited to play against big teams without the ball or, or possession-oriented teams because I think defensively they're pretty good and pretty organized. Right. And I think they have the kind of players who can be really dynamic on the counterattack. You know, if I were England, and I know Southgate couldn't really couldn't do this at this point because it would be such a monster risk, but I'd almost take out Deli Alley, who I think has been a weak point, and go with Vardy or Rashford and go with more straight, hard running up front and really go at them with Kane and, and Rashford and Sterling because I think Croatia will have more of the ball and be able to possess the ball. But if England just sort of absorbs some of that pressure, I don't think Croatia have looked that threatening uh, when teams have sat back and defended. And I think England could ruin them on the counterattack. So ironically, while I think England have been a little underwhelming in the way they've played in these games and gotten away with a lot of penalties and, and set piece goals, now that they're probably going to face, if they make it to the final, two teams that will outpossess them dramatically, sure. that may suit them better. And I, I just think if Southgate has a little bit of courage and is willing to maybe rotate the lineup to be more of a hard-running, counterattacking team with a little more pace in it, I, gosh, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think they could be positioned to uh, bring it home, so to speak. Gross. <laughs> I, yeah, I get it's, it. Look, I yeah, get it. It's... And I mean, this, this is the thing, right? I, I want for my English friends, I want them to win it for the people that I care about who are right. you know, English people. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to see them happy. Of course, it's just that as I have no allegiance to England, what I look at is I see Spurs, 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 Spurs. Liverpool, United, Spurs, City. You know, So it's, it's really hard to look past that. I know. We haven't even seen Welbeck hasn't even hit the pitch, has he? Right? He hasn't played a minute. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. There's nothing in this for us. Yeah, I, no. I honestly I can't watch this team with all these Tottenham players and ever have any sort of inkling of wanting them to win. Like like same, same sentiment as you. We've made so many friends, especially in the past few years through Twitter and everything. The network yeah. of people that we know, it's like yeah, we want them to be happy, but please, please, Croatia, fucking stomp them. <laughs> it's just like Deli Al, and I have to admit, look, I don't like Harry Kane, and the only thing I can sort of tease myself with is if Ronaldo somehow does wind up at Juventus that maybe, maybe Madrid comes back with a huge offer for Kane and nobody can resist it. Yeah. But, like, Deli Alli is just the worst. Well, he's, he's, he's just a piece the worst. Of shit. I cannot stand that guy. He is a bad person, a terrible human. <laughs> he just really is. I mean, just, he the, the, the red he card tackles everything. He's just a piece of shit, and I can't yeah, support him. He dives. Him, he, he goes in two-footed. He, yeah. He's just terrible. And I, you know, I... I tweeted recently a comparison between him and Ramsey, and maybe it wasn't the time for it because people's minds aren't really on tribalism right now. Sure. The, the, you know, they're not in that headspace. So it was probably just bad timing. But watching Deli Alley try to drop into midfield in this World Cup, I think, has just highlighted some of his deficiencies because I don't think he's a great passer. I don't think he, he tracks back all that well. And, you know, we, I'll fully acknowledge that in Spurs' press. Spurs pressing system and when he gets to play more as a forward he can be devastating and he's a lot younger and he could still improve but I, I don't think the way he's being used by Southgate brings out the best in him and, and if Southgate has the courage to drop him I think he can get more out of that position especially in games now if they have two games left where they don't have possession 
Yeah, we'll see if he's willing to make a decision like that. But I really, I, I don't know. Southgate doesn't really seem to me like the guy who's going to make a big dramatic decision like that at the semifinal. I just, it would be so difficult to do because yeah. if you make it and you don't win, well, it's right. going to be perceived as Absolutely. why did you tinker with a successful formula? But you know what? This is here's the problem. Those kind of post hoc analysis, those post hoc conclusions, like you can't be afraid of what what's going to be said about you if your decisions go wrong. If the best strategy is to play on the counter with pace, then play on the counter with pace. Like, you, you know, if you you don't have the horses, you don't have the, the players to contest the midfield against Croatia. You just don't. Yeah. So are you going to play a midfield of Henderson, Lingard, and Deli Alley and expect them to have any answer for, what, Rakitic, Perisic, and, and Modric? Like, they're sure. not going to have an answer for that. So, I, I, I mean, maybe it still works out fine for England, you know, maybe they get another set piece goal or maybe they can still play on the counterattack. But to me, it just seems natural that you'd want to have a little more pace and and sit back and, and be sound at the back and, and counterattack. Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably the wise way to go about it. Well, I mean, it, at least the safe way to move forward. But yeah, to, to that point, I mean, you have to have the balls to make a decision like that. And like all of these decisions are 100%, um, you know, in, like hindsight's twenty twenty. So, you know, retrospectively, people are going to judge you if it doesn't go that way. But the question is, when people say, give you shit about a certain thing, it's like, well, was it the right decision to make at the time? You know, and so some of those things do get validated, you know, by by the result. But also, it's just a matter of whether you're bold enough to stick with your tactics. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I was a little worried about, um, like, like my, my thinking going into the semifinal is that there's a little bit of shift in how I'm assessing these two teams will face each other just because of what they had to go through in the last round. Uh, England, point, England, yeah. England kind of cruised through that match. You know, you, you have a lead, you then double it in the second half and you, you're, you're kind of cruising to the end up two nil. Whereas, you know, the Russia Croatia match, you know, all these players going down, cramping injuries, yellow cards. There's, there's a bunch of things have added up against them. And it seems like they had a much tougher pass in terms of getting through and I'm wondering how that's going to affect them physically. But when it comes, like you were talking about the midfield, it looks like Kovacic is going to be back for this match. He came in as a sub. I was worried about him because I know he went off with cramp or injury in the last match. But at that point, you know, Kovacic playing at the base of the midfield behind uh, Rakitic and and Modric. Modric. Man. You know, you have these three guys, and I think I, I think I saw the stat. I think I saw Optus stats for it. He, he completed like 90 out of 90 passes, or 91 out of 91, and that was and that was Kovacic behind Modric and and. And Rakitic, and if you can have that midfield together, and these are guys who you know Kovacic was at Real Madrid, and you've Modric and Rakitic. You know that I've been saying for a while that seems like the best and strongest technical midfield in the entire World Cup. Totally agree. Yeah. And they played very cohesively. So you know, in going a against the worst remaining midfield in the World Cup, and and right. one of the poor midfields in World Cup in the World Cup period among the sort of quote elite teams. And it's, it's interesting too because they have. Now, they don't have, like, one world-class striker per se, but they have a lot of very good strikers. Like, Perisic has gotten a lot better over the past couple seasons, you know? I, when he was, you know, years ago when he was still at Dortmund, he wasn't clinical enough, his finishing wasn't good enough, but he's really developed. He's been playing very well for Inter. And then you have a guy, and you have uh, Kramaric and, and, Manzukic, and Manzukic. By the way, Chris, so you said Kovacic. Doesn't, I mean, haven't they been starting Brozovic over him? Uh, they have, but not in every match. I believe... Yeah, he, he did start I, this past one. I think one. Kovacic certainly should start from what I've seen. I was just curious. Well, I, I believe two matches ago, Kovacic played from the start and came off on a late sub, and I, it looked like cramp or injury or something. Uh, so okay. I was 
worried about that and taking that into consideration. Um, but he did come on as a sub in this last match, so apparently whatever it was wasn't yeah. too serious. Um, and whichever way, even if he's the guy coming on as a substitute, I mean, his his technical level and having that combination between those guys, I mean, like, what a fucking midfield to have. Like, what we would give for a one American midfielder like any of those guys. Yeah, of course. I mean, what England would give for one midfielder sure. like any of those guys. I, I think, you know, it's the stage of the tournament now where you you have to know who you are as a team. It's not going to change. And England are not going to win the midfield battle in that game so they're gonna have to figure out how to play without being able to to com compete for the midfield contest the midfield and Croatia similarly are gonna have to figure out and I, I think for Croatia that the fear is all right we're gonna have a lot of the ball and dominate midfield how uh, how um adventurous do we want to be you know because obviously England have the talent especially you know with Sterling and Kane up front to to get in behind and cause you problems so I, I could see a situation where that game could be a bit hard to watch with Croatia playing a lot of conservative passing in the midfield and the ball just recycling between Modric and Rakitic and, you know, whether it's Brozovic or Kovacic or whoever it is, and not a lot of penetrative play, them not wanting to expose themselves too much, England sitting in because they can't get on the ball. Certainly, I hope it doesn't go that way, but I could see that game going that way a lot more than the France-Belgium game where Belgium are going to be adventurous. It's in their DNA. They're not going to sit back. They're not going to... Uh, be defensive or or organized at the back, and they're just going to go hell for leather. So that game, to me, looks like the clear, uh, better game of the two. Yeah. But certainly, I think, you know, if you have a rooting interest in, in England, that's going to be an absolute nail-biter. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to both matches a lot. Uh, I want to go a little bit over that, that Belgium match. We kind of touched on it just slightly. Um, but that mm -hmm. Belgium, I wish I had fucking taken a punt on it. I actually got the scoreline right on that one as well. I wish I had fucking did more than just told my friends about 2-1 for Belgium. But um, I I was extremely impressed with it. It was one of the best matches I've seen um, Eden Hazard play in terms of his hold-up play and the way he turned out of pressure. I just thought, like... fitness levels, well, too. Right, right, right exactly. When everyone else was so fatigued and he would just turn and burn away from these guys and continue to be doing that. This is in the 89th minute, you know, turning away from pressure, getting him out of that, and just... And really playing with a lot of composure which, I mean, is kind of what you'd expect at a certain point. So I kind of look, you know, I, I've been saying the whole time throughout, this. I kind of see France this year kind of similar to the way I saw Belgium last World Cup with so much young, super talented, um, you know, so much talent in their squad, but not as much experience. You know, like, my, my statement's been that, like, France should be the favorite for the Euro next time around, regardless, as of now, just because of how much talent they have and, you know, two, two more years of experience, and development, I think they should be first on the list come that next tournament. But, you know, Belgium last time around had all these guys that were great, super talented, but they weren't quite ready to put it all together. I think this is the time, you know, all these guys that were early, mid-20s, last World Cup are now exactly where you want the Koiber team to be, you know, in the range of 25 to 28, 29, a couple leaders right around 30, you know. Um, and... You have, you know, Lukaku's really, like, his movement on, you know, that counterattacking goal against Japan, the movement, the way he he pulled the guy around, they're really putting it together, you know? And I don't know, the belief... He's been so good. And, right. And, you know, we've all we've all been critical of Lukaku one time or another just for, you know, the finishing, I think, um, mm -hmm. in, in the past in the Premier League, particularly when he's at Everton and sometimes at Chelsea. Um, but uh, you have... 
you have this team that now has just beaten Brazil. That you know, you you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better result going into a semifinal to give you the confidence to do something like this because you know, that's like you know they were they were underdogs and they've they've been living with this title and this tag of being underachievers and people choking in the big scene and that's you know you you haven't won the world cup yet but you've done you know probably the greatest result ever right has to be the greatest result yeah. in international football yeah. so i feel like this team's full of confidence and i mean really that's it's going to be a really really exciting match against france but i i really think these guys have it have it put together um Hmm. Yeah, I, I just the worry, of course, is to to be that vulnerable defensively. You just wonder if France, despite maybe a lack of experience, you know, or, or nominally a lack of experience, you still have Mbappe and Griezmann and Giroud and uh, Dembele and Pogba and guys that can really hurt you and I, I watched the way Belgium defend, and I mean, while they certainly should feel fantastic about beating Brazil, on another day, Brazil puts three, four, five past them. Um, sure. They, they got the breaks to go their way, and of course you need the breaks to go your way against Brazil, and I think a little of the criticism of Belgium in that game is over the top because, of course, Brazil are going to come at you, and of course you're going to weather a storm and have to ride out some pain in a match against Brazil, in a quarterfinal match against Brazil. I think that just goes with the territory, but... The way they defend, I think, is a real worry. And, you know, look, I, I really like Roberto Martinez. I realize there are a lot of people that think he is a trash manager. I think that's a little unfair. Um, I think he deserves credit for doing something he did against Arsenal, actually, uh, in the quarterfinal against Brazil, and that's moving Lukaku out to the wing and playing him sort of as a right winger, and it really worked. And he, he exploited the attacking tendencies of the fullbacks and... I just I think he did a nice job setting them up, but in the end, they got a little bit fortunate and they they rode their luck for a long time in the second half of that game. So yeah. if they defend the way they have, I still think it's going to present France with one too many chances. Uh, and so while I totally acknowledge that they have the experience and the attacking capability to to put France under a lot of pressure, you you just wonder if if they can be. Um, if they can be defensively organized enough, if they can be secure enough at the back to survive a game against it, a, a second game in a row against a team that can attack as well as France can. Sure. Yeah, no, that's that's a very a very pertinent question. So we'll see we'll see what to do with that. So we'll before we get to predictions for these upcoming semifinals, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> there's a, quite a few players that have you know made their mark, announced themselves on the stage. Obviously, you know, people know know Mbappe. Those of us who are Arsenal fans are, have become very familiar with, with Lucas Torreira, who I think is definitely one of the, as far as like a standout star who really announced himself as a guy that, um, you know, really impressed. Um, were there any other particular players that really stood out to you that um, ma made a mark and made an impression on you in this tournament? A lot. I mean, the, the problem is it's not really a lot of unknowns. I mean, I think Lukaku has been brilliant. De Bruyne has been brilliant. Hazard has been brilliant, as you referenced. Um, I think Harry Maguire, I guess you would say. Uh, <laughs> plays for Leicester. Yeah. Probably put himself in line for for a big club. Jordan Pickford certainly has been impressive for England. Sure. Um, you know, I, at Croatia, you, obviously the, the Modra-Trakitic duo have been impressive, but you'd expect that from them. Sure. So, you know, I'm not really sure what else you would have to say about that. I have to admit to not 
scrutinizing the games enough early in the tournament to necessarily notice some of the bright young talent that that may have uh, shown well in the group stage. So I, I can't necessarily pull that out, especially right now because it, if that feels like a million years ago. But yeah, I mean the the players that stand out for me, and and maybe this is a little unusual for the World Cup, are mostly the players you expected. You know, I mean the the, the big names have succeeded at the countries that needed them to, uh, especially where France and Belgium are concerned. Certainly. Yeah, that, there's a lot of that. I mean, and that, but that's what you that's what you hope and expect when you're coming into a situation like this, that the guys that... Yeah, you want the stars to right. shine, right? I mean, that that's kind of what it's about. I mean, I realized, yeah. what was it, four years ago, James Rodriguez kind of came out of nowhere sure. to some extent um, and, and put his name in lights. But obviously the tournaments are always better when the star players go deep and perform well, and, and we've had... A decent amount of that i think obviously I, I would have liked to have seen germany do better uh for mesut Ozil's sake i think he's kind of been made a sacrificial lamb by the german media yeah. and, and the media the global media generally which i think is totally unfair but otherwise i think we've seen a lot of success from predictably uh top quality players yeah i know they, they performed you said you know outside of the the big disappointment in germany but you know you look at that i mean i don't know the, the stats don't add up with, with those sort of analysis that people have been giving on in that regard to mesut but um you know there's always i guess you could say some of the russian players and I'll, you have to forgive me for not yeah i actually was, i was just trying to look one up yeah golovin's look good and then the other guy who was there's the guy up front yeah that fucking guy i'm like looking it up right now uh the guy who scored that first goal in the match um the other day uh, that left footed strike from outside the box, and not only that, like he, you know, he he did a quick give and go, pushed inside from of Modric, like beat his tackle, and then and then whipped in that that goal. And this guy wasn't even in this, you know, what, what, he's got a really minimal amount of caps, it's like eight caps or something for Russia, and he comes out yeah. and does this, and he scored several, a couple goals already. That Another was, one you could name, by the way, and this is this is the irony, right? Is you'd say like, oh, Yuri Mina, but yeah, he plays for Barcelona. <laughs> I realize he doesn't really play for them, but he's a Barcelona player, right? right. So it's like you you look at these guys, guys you want to name, who you say, oh, they could have set them up for big club moves, but a lot of them are already there. Yeah, yeah, but very much so. But like you said, but maybe he's going to, you know, maybe that's something we're going to see with him entering the fold, like whereas if he was a backup there, he might be entering, you know, in terms of entering the um Yeah, well, the there was talk that he was going to leave, so maybe this transforms his Barcelona career, you know, changes the trajectory of it. Right, 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 right. Um, it was it was Cheryshev, was the Russian. Cheryshev, yeah. Yeah, impressed, impressed. That really good stuff from him. Um, all right, well let's get to our let's get to our predictions. Uh, we have in the first semifinal we have Belgium and France. What say you, Elliot? What who's going to win and what's going to be the scoreline? I'll say three two France in an absolute instant classic. Ooh, I'm uh, I'm actually predicting the same scoreline but with a different outcome. I'm going 3-2 Belgium. All right. I'd take it. They'd both yeah. be fun to watch. Absolutely. No, but I, I, like you, I do believe there are a lot of goals in this game. There will be, you know, whatever the... Actually, yeah, let's say <laughs> the betting tip for this match is take the over. Take the over. I don't know what Although it is. Although the over might be like three and a half. Oh, fuck that. If it's like, if it's two and a half <laughs> or anything like that, take the over. If, it, yep. if it's three and a half, maybe, maybe reassess it. Maybe but not. <laughs> I haven't checked with Vegas yet. Um, all right, let's just move on. England and Croatia. What say you? Oh, uh, I will say one-one, and England go through on penalties. Fair. Uh, I'm going two-one Croatia. Um, Fine by me. Yeah. Uh, so 
you're predicting a France and England final in your prediction. Who takes that? Hmm. Man, that's tough, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I, I mean, what a matchup that would be to actually get France versus England in a World Cup final would be pretty insane. It would. It would. I, I think that'd be too much for England. I really do. I think England, if they're going to make the final, they got to be rooting for Belgium because I think France defensively is stout enough to keep them out. And, you know, they have dominant defenders like Raphael Varane. They have mm -hmm. a, a keeper who, although he's coming off a not great season for his club, you know, Hugo Lloris is, is a quality keeper. Um, I mean, Courtois is as well, but, but mostly Belgium is not well organized defensively. I think if it, if it winds up being France, England, I'd have to take France, probably something like two nil. Mm. You heard it here first guys, France to win it all. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, I'm actually going to go with, with Belgium to take it over Serbia. Well, if Serbia is in the final, then we're going to have to look at what happened. <laughs> Croatia. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Serbia. I know for, forgive me, my Serbian friends for, Mixing that up, my best friend Serbian, he would kill me for saying that instead of Croatia, who they don't. Well, he would certainly love. It. I think he would be thrilled. If well, Serbia yes. got placed in the final. <laughs> but but for for mis misplaying that and uh, saying the yeah, yeah 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 confusing those two. They don't them. particularly Not a great get along. Political mistake to make. <laughs> yeah, no. they don't particularly want to be associated with each other that much. Uh, yeah, so sorry. Yeah, Croatia. If Croatia can get through, which I th I think they're the better team, and I really think the midfield battle is going to be where where it's won. But like you said, I mean, you know, who knows about the rub of the green? Who knows about what penalty? fucking Kane or Deli Alley is going to die for. It, it would not surprise me oh. if you're going to get through, but uh, I really think, uh, I think this is the time for the Belgians. It's either them or Croatia and uh, I'll go, I'll go two in Belgium. So you kind of hope Belgium gets it done only in the sense that from the quote golden generation standpoint, this is right. probably the last real hurrah for their golden generation. Whereas France definitely has at least one more world cup in them for theirs uh if not two maybe even two when you look at like Dembele and sure. Mbappe yeah, yeah, yeah. um and, and you know I, I think with all due respect to Croatia while this is sort of a, a golden generation of sorts in the midfield they're outsiders and then England this really is I, I would say that the beginning of the cycle for them so they would certainly be a, a team that you would look for to come on in in future tournaments absolutely well, so much to look forward to. Some exciting, exciting stuff coming Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, thank you so much, Elliot. It's been great talking yeah, and chatting. Pleasure. Ready for the World Cup. Uh, we'll be back with you with another podcast before the final later this week. Um, thank you so much, Elliot. It's been, it's been great chatting. And uh, Yeah, really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see some, um, have plenty more to talk about after the next round of semifinals. Thank you so much. Talk to you It used to be so hard to 
and hide it And it didn't say forever to find it I was all on my own Almost glad to be alone Until love came in On time